0: Let's do it. Hey, functional friends, Bren Vermeyer here. Welcome to the Holistic Savage podcast, where we like to talk about all things related to functional health, including functional medicine, functional fitness, functional spirituality, functional psychology, and basically everything in between. And of course, you can't spell functional without fun, so we like to have a good time on this show. Now, before we get started with introducing today's honored guest. I want to remind you all that the content of this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not at all intended to be a replacement for supervised healthcare. So be sure that you're working proactively with your licensed healthcare provider to make sure that all of your healthcare and medical needs are being met effectively. Of course, if you're interested in our functional services at Metabolic Solutions, you can send us an email at info at and of course visit our website MetabolicSolutionsLLC.com. Also, if you love this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your family and friends you <laughs> Like it, follow us, subscribe, review, it really means the world because ultimately I believe that the greatest medicine involves to teach people how not to need it and the first step towards change is awareness and then education and empowerment. So that is what my platform is dedicated to, that's what this podcast is dedicated to, is helping educate and empower self-healers around the world so that they can overcome their greatest health objectives. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a positive review and don't forget to share with your loved ones. So without further ado, let's get started with today's guest. Thank you so much for being here. All right, ladies and gentlemen and functional friends alike, you are in for a very, very special treat this month as I'd like to introduce our very special and honored guest for this month as we wrap up season two of the Holistic Savage podcast. So allow me to introduce my dear friend, Dr. Nicole LaPera. So certainly that name should sound familiar as she is known as the Holistic Psychologist on Instagram. And I really couldn't be more uh, excited and, and honored to not only be able to say that she's been an amazing client to work with, but also has become a very dear friend and somebody that I look up to a lot, somebody that inspires me every single day to continue to cultivate my truth and share it with the world fearlessly. So Dr. Nicole Lepera was trained in clinical psychology at Cornell University in the New School for Social Research. She also studied at the Philadelphia School of Psychoanalysis. As a clinical psychologist in private practice, Dr. Nicole LaPera often found herself frustrated by the limitations of traditional psychotherapy. Wanting more for her patients and for herself, she began a journey to develop a united philosophy of mental, physical, and spiritual health that equips people with the tools necessary to heal themselves nothing short of a paradigm shift dr nicole lapera's teachings empower the individual to break free from trauma cycles and create who they want to become so if you have been listening to the holistic savage podcast for some time we wrapped up season one episode 12 with dr nicole And it was by far our most popular episode, and that single episode got more downloads and plays than the entire season combined, which really says something because all of the guests on the Holistic Savage podcast are all experts and leaders in their unique niches and spaces. So I literally couldn't be more excited to bring Dr. Nicole Lepera back onto the Holistic Savage podcast for round two as we wrap up season two as we talk about her new book, How to Do the Work. So be sure to review this episode, share it with your family and friends, and don't forget to pre-order your copy of How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole Lepera. So without further ado, Welcome to the holistic savage podcast everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Holistic Savage podcast. Uh, you know, I don't need to make any crazy formal. I, I don't like to be formal or stiff. We have my good friend, Dr. Nicole LaPera, the queen of the self-healer movement, the holistic psychologist. Nicole, welcome. Welcome back to the podcast. I couldn't be happier to have you with me today.
1: I couldn't be more excited to be here with you today, Brendan, myself.
0: Wonderful. So, man, you know, where do we even begin? It's, I'm going to kind of, I always like saying the stage with almost like the, the preface of who this person is to me and whatnot. So, uh, you know, your, first off, I'll, uh, I have to say your uh, first episode on the Holistic Savage podcast, I've, I've been, you know, more fortunate than I deserve in a sense of having just a straight legendary lineup of amazing professionals on my show. And yet, your episode got more downloads and listens than the rest of the episodes combined for season one, which was just uh, amazing and and mind-blowing. And so I couldn't be more excited to have you back on season two, which has been another legendary um, season. And, you know, we we first connected back in like 2018. And I remember when we first connected, you were sitting at like 60,000 followers on Instagram, which is obviously a very impressive you know, platform and the work was amazing. And I remember the thing that really got me was, you know, the holistic psychology, but then also you had like a gut health guide. I'm like, oh, she and I are going to be best friends. Um, But then since then, you have been on just an amazing journey. And, you know, you you currently, you just hit 3 million followers on, on Instagram, kind of the primary platform. And so I'd love to kind of start the conversation by hearing from you, like, What kind of ride has this been for you as as you have started making such a huge impact on the world?
1: It's been a ride um, that is safe to say. And, you know, Brendan, when I hear you say things like the number of downloads and obviously the astronomical growth of the platform, I mean, even the number 60,000 is, you know, mind-blowing to me, let alone, you know, the three plus million that we're now having. And I smile, though I smile more you know kind of thinking about the you know what that to me means those numbers this growth etc simply means to me how universally resonant this is whether we're talking about all of the ways many of us are stuck in healing um, and unable to create the change that we want to obviously the roads that begin to clear as we begin to then engage on our healing journeys hearing these numbers I smile because like I said it just Universal. We're all, you know, kind of co- collectively um, joined in this very real way. So I say all that to say that my my experience of it has has been quite a ride. I think I'm not remembering exactly if this came up when you and I spoke at what one might say were the more beginnings of my journey online. And if we hadn't, when you hear me speak of that, you often hear me talk about the the personal challenges in my own healing journey that even being visible online was. Um, As a human, being someone historically who filtered my truth, this is how I'm going to word this, through the effect that my truth would have on others, which usually ended up with a distilled version of my truth coming out of my mouth, being the way I was in the world, etc. Meaning I did so much for others, worrying about them, what they would think of me. I mean, really, really the list goes on. So deciding to come online and putting a truth out there for me as a personal human, on the personal side of things, before we talk about practitioner side of things, I was, that was challenging for me. I hadn't done that. So inherently, implicitly, I share that because that is part of my always journey online. There's a very real inner child part of myself that when I see those numbers, when I hit live, you know, to be seen in this way be a podcast or an Instagram live, there's that inner child part of me that wants to run away you know, and, and hide. So that's a constant conversation. Same thing when I think about my practitioner hat, there's still a very you know, scared self inside of me of how am I going to appear as a professional speaking these new truths? So when I share that it's been a ride, it's because a lot of my journey online has embodied a lot of my own healing as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and and that's kind of always the case of, uh, you know, anybody that gets into holistic health and and whatnot, it's always that, you know, we learn a lot of our greatest lessons through, you know, navigating, transcending our own struggles. And and that's where, you know, I, I feel like I have so much to learn from you and, and, you know, so many future conversations to be had. Cause I even know from my own professional journey, like it's terrifying. And then I'm starting to, you know, put more authentic truth out there. You start getting that pushback and that doesn't feel good. And, you know, people try and tear you down just as much as building you up. So, I mean, I can only really imagine, you know, what that's been like as you were already speaking your truth in a way that was resonating with so many. And I'm kind of curious, uh, like, obviously, the, the challenges that have probably come up along the way, I mean, it kind of just adds fuel to the fire and inspiration and maybe challenges you to then reveal like yet another layer as you, you know, unlearn those habits and behaviors. So, you know, it's almost kind of paradoxical with you, because in a way, it's like, I know you wouldn't say it, but to all of us, your fans, we would think like, oh, she has it all figured out. Like she never has self-doubt. She never lets other people cause her to deviate from, from her truth and her authenticity. But I'd be curious to hear um, from your perspective, like the, the criticism and I I've seen you write about how, you know, other psychologists and how they kind of come at you. So if you want to Kind of speak to that of how, you know, I'm sure it hasn't just been, you know, rainbows and butterflies the whole time.
1: Absolutely not. It's there's been a lot of challenge in, in staying in alignment and in expressing the truth. And as I begin to think more and more about it, I want to differentiate um, two aspects, I think, of the conversation that I'll continue to talk about to explain. There's, and I'm just kind of thinking this in the moment, free associate, but there's there's truth, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the communication the wording, the delivery of truth. So I wanna separate those out because I think they kind of function and then there's the interaction between the two of them. So in terms of speaking one's truth, I put my message out there. Part of my goal, and you'll always hear me quote saying this is to empower humans as individuals to find their own truths, to hear multiple maybe narratives, that's the word I often use, other people's stories, their conceptualizations, how they think about what happened to them or how they heal, right? and to find the parts that resonate, to develop the confidence, I call it a home base. So to maybe be able to hear multiple messagings, messages, other people's experiences, maybe even peppered in with beliefs, right? Hear them and then go back somewhere to my own sanctum of safeties for a lot of us that's inner and then try them on for size, knowing that ultimately I am the decider of whether or not that truth resonates with mine as I conceptualize and for a lot of us you know kind of shape my way to figuring out our truth because a lot of us in the beginning of the journey don't know right so that process of hearing being open being receptive all the while likely we're having reactions to what maybe we're hearing from the world other people's stories going on again trying it on for size and empowering us each to do that i think that's such an incredibly important part of healing and of understanding ourselves. And I believe that that does come from within us, within each of us. No one person's truth, you know, kind of can, can be applied to ours. And I think that's the biggest journey, you know, of empowerment is learning how to tolerate the moments where we don't hear those things that are in alignment or where we hear what we hear challenges ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's kind of separating out and, and creating that space. So yes, you know, there's been a lot of times when, You know, uh, uh, sharing aspects of my journey, learning how myself to be receptive, to understand how that truth is resonating in the world, going back, maybe hearing everyone's opinions of my beliefs, the way I work, the way I, you know, imagine and conceptualize my journey, and then having my inner sanctum to understand what fits and what doesn't, and then continue to present my truth to the world. That I want to differentiate between communication of it. Something I'm always, because yes, to speak to your, your question in there that I kind of am, am shifting, we, we allow messages in because sometimes what we hear outside of ourselves can be more objective, can be that valuable piece of us, that perspective that, you know, sometimes we'll maybe get from partners or loved ones that it might be an uncomfortable perspective, though we can use it to shape or to see ourselves from a different, more helpful vantage point, right? That I wanna differentiate between how am I communicating my truth? Because something I'm, so I'm working myself to be receptive, to let in opinions, to try them on for size and to continue to hone my confidence in my own differentiating. This, This applies to me, this doesn't, this, right? However, that is different from how do I communicate my truth? And something that I'm always trying to hone as a skill is communication, to understand the language to use, um, understanding that social media has its limitations. It's also an incredibly valuable tool. How can I communicate my truth in a way that can be heard by the, the biggest you know, kind of span of the collective? So just two different processes, both of which I'm always considering when I hear feedback. The one is more internal, right? everyone's opinions of me and my work. How can I use that for information? Is that giving me a vantage point of myself that might be uncomfortable but helpful separate from criticisms about how I'm communicating my truth? Can I learn from that? Can I incorporate it? Can I learn how to communicate in a way that can be received differently? Two dynamic processes of evolution and of finding I think our way forward. That
0: was a beautiful answer. And, and the differentiation I think is extremely valuable um and like i followed that 100% cuz i definitely have experienced um you know we we do we can get feedback that yeah it can be triggering and you know with it's where always that that patience that tolerance that reframe um and it's good right like we we need other perspectives because it's either going to kind of further you know, solidify, just, uh, solidify, justify, you know, validate, kind of confirm like, no, this, this belief that I choose to have and choose to believe like that really means a lot to me. And sometimes maybe those prickly interactions just further solidify that, but also too, I like how you're saying how, and that's kind of what I was wondering is how, um, the experience has almost like helped further define and kind of perfect. And like, you know, you're whittling down, because uh, you know, for following you for as long as I have, I've I've seen, you know, the the core essence of your material has has felt the same. But yeah, the delivery and it, and it yeah. feels honed. It feels crafted, and it's been beautiful to watch you as you're kind of crafting your art for the world to now enjoy.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and hearing that it's noticeable, and that's that's part of our journey of crafting our art of our humanity. I mean, I could go as far to say, you know, say that. I mean. That's what life is about, right? Learning the self, connecting with the self, and then shaping what I believe is the self's creation in the world. Whether or not that's the content that you see me putting out, that's a little more concrete and palpable. I'm of the belief that we're a walking self-expression. And one might say that what you very beautifully kind of eloquent, it was the journey of life. It's about honing and kind of coming more and more into the essence and being the living creation, which I think happens in this more kind of shaped way. So likely as you and I continue to build our, you know, professional and personal friendship and have these conversations, you might be here, you and I probably both are gonna be speaking a bit differently five years from now, 10 years from now, when we're maybe talking about the same essence, though again, you and I are gonna continue to hone and to craft as humans and obviously as practitioners.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I think a while back I had posted on my own platform of, you know, something about like, you can't just like speaking your truth isn't enough. You have to live it. Right. And and I think that's like, you embody that so much. You, you really are living. And then, like you said, that's where that differentiation is, is really helpful of like how you communicate it, how you live it. And so, um, this is kind of a, a funny story. I had somebody, reach out to me. Um, They wanted to interview you and they were able to get a hold of me. So they interviewed me kind of about your work and my perspective on it. And it wasn't just me. I was kind of, I was impressed by they interviewed doctors and PhDs and all sorts of different professionals kind of get different perspectives. I don't know that I ever saw the article, but it was about, you know, the self healer movement, which, you know, way back when Hippocrates once upon a time said, uh, if you're not your own doctor, you're a fool, which, you know, pretty blunt, but hey, I mean, Hippocrates knew a thing or two um, way ahead of his time. And so I definitely think uh, what's interesting to me, I feel that humans have always been self healers. Uh, You know, Voltaire said the art of medicine is entertaining the patient while nature does the healing, right? (laughs) So we we've always been self healers but especially in the past hundred years we've forgotten that right and um i'm not at all saying anything bad about big pharma but obviously with the rise of big pharma and our current healthcare system we lost our power we kind of surrendered it over time almost like the the frog in the boiling water you don't know you're cooking and, and whatnot and then you have really breathed life into this self healer movement, unlike anything before. And so some of the interview questions that I was asked by the interviewer, and I'm sure she got other perspectives from, from other people, but what she asked me, and I would like to then kind of pose to you, um, you know, she asked me, Brennan, so how would you explain, you know, why would somebody be against self healer movement because there are those that oh no and all that so I'd like to hear you speak to that a little bit of your your stance on you know how you look at this movement that you've really established yourself as uh, the leader of and um, to those that are kind of against this idea of empowerment and self-healing.
1: So I think I want to clarify um, what I mean when I mean self-healing Uh, because I think some of the hesitancy or even outright criticism is possibly based on an alternate definition. Um, Self-healing doesn't mean in absence of external support. Uh, Self-healing is, again, empowering the individual, just like I spoke to you that I work to do with myself, to find the avenues of support that are of most resonance and obviously also of most access, acknowledging that we have a big glaring privilege issue in many of the medical systems, mental wellness included, right? So empowering the individual to find their path um, toward their own healing. So just to clarify, that's what self-healing means to me. It doesn't mean an absence of other professionals. I mean, I will even share with the listeners here, you are my new happy, healthy, functional medicine practitioner. I seek extra support right? I have people that help me that are more an expert in the area of the body, such as yourself, Brendan, to help me develop the tools so I can care for my body day in and day out in the way that makes me feel the best. I was also this past year in rebuilding some relationships with my family in family therapy, because at the time and in the context, that was supportive to me and my family. So just to clarify, self-healing does not mean an absence of other people's support, Sometimes I believe one aspect of criticism is people hearing me to mean otherwise, that I'm saying heal on an island and very, very you know, astutely, a lot of the contenders of when they believe me to be saying otherwise are bringing up the reality. We are interpersonal creatures as human. We cannot heal alone. I wholeheartedly agree which is why I have developed not only the Instagram community, the free community of self healers that anyone can access, of course, as long as you have a phone and access to Instagram and social media. Again, not all of us have that, right? So giving the tools for the people who have that, you know, who have access to that as well as in the virtual community because we need people, we need those community supports. Um, With that said, I also know, because this is a big part of the work that I talk about every day. I'm going to throw out a very universal statement here. Change is hard. Change is hard for any of us. And a lot of us, you know, that have come through the system, either as the patient client and, or the practitioner, whether you're in the medical, wearing the medical doctor hat, or like me, the mental wellness hat, you know, we've come through systems where we have beliefs, you know, and believing things I think that are that are one way and having those beliefs gradually be deconstructed. Because a lot of us practitioners, when we come into our own practices, when we start to see how ineffectual some of this is, we are calling our beliefs into question. And for me, while I don't talk about this aspect of it often, mainly just because it doesn't come up so much in conversation, shifting from that old mindset, right, where I believed for instance, mental illness or wellness to be determined solely by our genetics, where I believed our options to treat were talk therapy, some emotional supportive tools and or medication. I believed I was gonna be that therapist, helping individuals in that way for as long as I knew that I would be working. So deconstructing that and rebuilding beliefs of difference, of change, possibility of epigenetics was incredibly personally difficult. So I can resonate with the different stages of evolution when paradigms shift, right? When people who once were trained in one way of you know, symptom management, more or less, now being challenged to you know, it, it, uh, entertain even first, the possibility of change, let alone embodied, the practice of change, that's destabilizing. So one of the ways I understand, and because I can relate and resonate, And I've had a lot of friends in the field of mental wellness, similarly shifting their practices to be a bit more integrative, that all say the same thing. It was like a loss of self, I lost a part of my identity, I became maybe just practically fearful of how I would continue to make my income support my family, I mean the list goes on. So the simple answer shifting the paradigm deconstructing these very core beliefs that a lot of us were operated and trained to operate in is incredibly challenging just like any type of change is and i think can elicit a lot of different reactions
0: that was a really really great answer and and as you're saying it's it's so crucial to right i mean assumptions oh my gosh like that's what the second agreement or something like that from Um, that book yeah beautiful book Um, because yeah you know assumptions people it's it's that warrior mindset as opposed to scout mindset you hear something that that threatens your chosen belief system that's connected to our sense of identity it feels like a threat you know you pounce on it and whatnot and what I think is so interesting about I don't know the 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 age that we live in and, you know, I think our technology is a huge factor in that it, it feels like, and I don't know, maybe every other generation kind of felt existential crisis. I think that's just part of the human experience. Um, but it definitely feels like we are living in in kind of a heightened time where, um, and, you know, I won't blabber about it too much because I see this, everything we've done for the past, you know, 30, 50, 100 years, it's kind of leading us to this point, we're hitting this crossroads of, you know, we're the only species on earth that's living dysbiotically with the natural world. I was on a podcast recently and, you know, she was asking like, why do you think we're in, you know, this great crisis? I'm like, we're the only species that, (laughs) you know, is dysbiotic. It's it's not anything crazy. And so I keep talking about, it's like, we have to relearn how to live symbiotically with ourselves with one another with the natural world and so i kind of keep saying this return to symbiosis and to me the only clear way that i see of how we are going to return to symbiosis is this is this paradigm shift i I don't see it happening without
1: absolutely absolutely and and for a lot of us it means a return to something you beautifully brought up earlier right which is that essence, right? That individual, that wholeness, that kind of before all of the conditioning and all of the disconnect um, from our really interconnected core self, that's, I believe, what is at each of our core, that soul, that indescribable entity that I also think is mirroring this kind of universal waking up. We're all, you know, some more comfortably than others coming to the awareness that you know, this kind of like sack of skin and this like mind aren't it, like they're, like the, there is like a, a, another piece existential, right? Call it that. I believe the first existential crisis we all face is going from that togetherness, right? To that, oh, I'm an individual little separate infant and here's all separateness around me. At our core, we're integrated. And I love that dysbiosis because I think it's not only integrated within me as that whole being of physical, emotional and spiritual self, it's then being interconnected with other humans and with our environment and i couldn't agree with you more that we've not moved more into connection we've actually moved more out of connection however the movement i believe the awakening that's happening is the realization and now the restructuring of how do we find our way back into mm-hmm. integration
0: yeah that's exactly it and you know i I will admit early in 2020, I was really wrestling with some existential dread of uh, there for a while. I was like, I am not seeing a whole lot of hope for the trajectory of our species and collective. And um, But even just like recently, uh, some of these documentaries like Fantastic Fungi comes to mind or Kiss the Ground that was released recently and The Social Dilemma we are we're seeing this awakening we're we're seeing as you know person by person as it spreads people are waking up of we're we're not like i just gave the lecture of my life on sunday all about mental health from a functional perspective and so i went all into this stuff but yeah i mean you look at the statistics whether it's chronic disease or depression or suicide being a top leading cause of death for americans like clearly there's there's something deep within like the fabric of our souls and culture and society that um, is dysfunctional. And one of my friends, I, I hope you get to meet him someday. His name's Dr. Adam Miller. He was on the podcast. He kind of talks similarly and, but rather than saying self healer, his thing is the citizen scientist, right? And I think we are in this-, this I
1: love citizen science.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, isn't it great? And, and he's a, oh my gosh. <laughs> freakishly impressive human like this guy i'm just like oh man um because he's a medical doctor and this and this and this and all these things but you know i got to talk to him in arizona last year hanging out and he talked a lot about that citizen scientist he's like well brendan the healthcare system is not as broken as everybody wants to make it out to be like we're not idiots like we're keeping a close (laughs) eye on all the data we're we're doing the research we're but what we need is the people to take their power back. We need people to do their own homework. We need the citizen scientists. And, you know, hearing that come from, you know, a medical doctor, I was like, oh, oh, good. Like there is hope.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because I think, you know, initially (gasps) citizen science, whoa, right. We need the God, the book, the, you know, and I'm not again saying that there aren't protocols in place to keep science science and measurable and operationalizable and all of the other bulls generalizable right you know i understand um i also don't think though that that is putting down right like disempowering the human at the service of these these systems right it's both it's how can we empower all of it
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely have you read the Selenstein prophecy
1: I haven't, I've, 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 it's crossed my path in terms of title and in book, but I haven't read it.
0: I, I figured you probably, it, it's at least popped up on your radar. I, um, I'm i trying to chip away at it, but um, here I am like a year later, so I guess I'm not doing a good job, um, but I've read enough of it. So there was a point in the book that I really liked, and, and I think you'll appreciate this, where, um, you know, there's this manuscript in the book that everybody's trying to get their hands on and this manuscript is, you know, the prophecy kind of on a scroll sort of thing. And uh, one of the things that it was, you know, revealing is how, you know, it's like we think back to, you know, medieval times and, you know, the church ruled with an iron fist, right? Like your purpose in this life, in this reality, in this world is to do what we tell you to. And if you do it right, you go to heaven. If you don't do it right, you go to hell. Right. I mean, that's, and that wasn't that long ago, what, hundreds or, you know, however long ago medieval times was, and so then kind of began the scientific pursuit, where people started kind of wising up of like, something doesn't feel right here. This kind of feels unfair. This feels a little dictator-y. Um, you know. So enter the scientific pursuit of, well, if we're not here because of what the church has always told us, so that's the truth. And if that's not really the truth, because that doesn't feel right, why are we here? And enter the scientific pursuit of trying to study the world around us objectively, make sense of it, figure out why we're here. But the point that the book made that I'm trying to make (laughs) is, um, you know, it was speaking how, okay, so here we are fast forward 100,000 years, like whatever it's been. um, And we have all this amazing technology. We have stem cells, skyscrapers, satellites. It's mind blowing. And so our scientific pursuit, we figured out how to do all these amazing things. And, you know, we don't have to work as hard and everything's done for us. And we now live in the matrix, especially in 2020 and yet we still haven't answered the question that began the pursuit which is why are we here and so this book was talking about you know kind of that grand awakening that's coming um and it feels like in a lot of ways we're living in that time of awakening right now and and i think you're a huge part of that right
1: hey guys i just wanted to take a moment to thank you all so much for listening to the holistic savage podcast we on the Holistic Savage team all really appreciate you and want to stay connected with you. So please rate, review, and subscribe to help the podcast grow. And if you like the podcast, help get the word out. And now, back to the show. Thank you. Uh, the, the, the thought I'm having, and I'm, I'm smiling, thinking of it, and it goes, again, goes back to something you very beautifully worded earlier, which is we have all of this stuff the science, the technology, the endless information to find how we're here. Yet however many decades, eons it's been, and we don't know, that begs to answer the first question. Again, I'm just free associating. but The first thing that comes to mind is, well, maybe we're looking in the wrong direction. Maybe looking out, again, I'm really simplifying it, isn't where we look at all, right? Maybe we need to begin to look, which is, for many of us, the scariest place to look, which is within, right? We have all of the stuff to study all of the things, but maybe the answers aren't there. Maybe that's why we still don't know. And maybe the, the awakening that's happening now is almost the counter revolution of humans looking within for these answers that have always been there. Like you said, we've always known how to heal. I mean, I'm going to expand this to, we just always known. And now we're just so disconnected from that knowing. And we're also distracted by looking, I believe, maybe in the wrong direction.
0: Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I I don't know who said it, but something about, you know, we're all born twice. First, when we come into the world, the second, when we figure out why, or something like (laughs) that. Beautiful, powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's something, uh, and I, you know, I, which for the record, you're like the best client, the easiest to work with. It's, Um, you know, I, I love it. I could speak to that all day, but my point with that being, you know, from a kind of the functional medicine perspective, and this is something I preach a lot that I think maybe not having a traditional medical background, I have a little bit of a different perspective in my industry, which is dominated by medical doctors for the most part. And I find in, in, in my industry, in my space, there's such a huge emphasis on this, like, oh, well, there's a root cause and let's do all this testing. And And what happens though, um, and I kind of called people out lovingly through social media of, you know, are you chasing your root cause? or Are you running from your unresolved trauma? Um, Because then what we see is kind of this toxic side effect where a lot of times the functional medicine kind of root cause pursuit sort of enables this sort of spiritual bypassing as people are like, well, no, like it's not anything has to do with me and my belief system or anything like that. It's you know, I must have, you know, mold or metals or whatever it is. And it's like, well, if we as, as, you know, functional medicine people are not, you know, holding the space and holding up the mirror and doing that client-centered coaching, you know, we're just, we're just totally missing out. And and so unresolved trauma being what, maybe the the root cause of all root causes, right? And focus right. on one of your that- work.
1: I commend you for, for speaking those really powerful and I know often challenging words. I was actually just on a live with Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Um, and we were talking about the very real, because I think this is where chicken or the egg gets confusing, you know, because a lot of times things will be cited that make the, you know, make the search for this physiological, again, simply, for lack of a better word, root cause really appealing right? Because there are structural changes in the body. I mean, you know, first and foremost, I've talked to you about a lifetime of inflammation, of constipation, of actual symptoms in my body that you could look and see being the case, right? Making it really hard not to want to look for the physiological cause. And here I am to say that, yes, there are physiological imbalances, but this is chicken or the egg connected to likely the earliest traumatizing experiences. So what Caroline and I were talking about, she's a neuroscientist, so we talked a lot about the brain, but the structural changes in the brain, I'm going to globalize it to the whole body, the whole system that can be mapped on, making it really appealing to look for the physiological origin. And I'm here to say we can't be so sure. Those changes likely are probably the accumulated result of the emotional right, wounds and the adaptations that originated a much longer time ago. So. Chicken or the egg gets very confusing. A lot of times there are structural changes that we can see making this desire to find the structural you know, puzzle piece to fix it. Though we can't, I don't believe extricate, just like holistically, we're all interconnected. Same thing goes in terms of the origin, trauma playing a role, likely leading to those very real structural imbalances.
0: Absolutely. And, and what I love about, I don't know, our dynamic and our relationship is you know, I I always say, uh, you know, mental health is kind of the main thing I focus on. And so I was explaining this on Sunday in my lecture because, you know, with anybody that's experiencing, I prefer to say mental health dysfunction. I'm not really a fan of mental illness. Um, but I always explain it of, I like to think of it as as like a yin-yang, right? You know, we've got uh, the yin, the yang, the light, the dark, contrasting duality, and um, But that yin-yang of mental health being the physiological and the psychological. And what's awful, and especially with, you know, uh, my history of struggles, like when you're really depressed or really anxious or struggling with your mental health, you have no idea. You know, it's just this complex knot. And it's like, is it physiological? Is it psychological? Probably a little bit of both. Um, And what I found on my own self-healing journey is you know, I always kind of think like the physiological, assuming that you have a good practitioner, it's almost like the low hanging fruit, right? Like if we can pinpoint that you're gluten intolerant, you have some mold growing in your tummy or whatever it is, if we can pinpoint that, that's actually a lot easier to deal with. The hardest part is that, that inner work. Um, But We can't spiritually bypass that and just go perpetually chasing root causes that may not actually be there. So to your point, you know, it's, it's so crucial and that's, that's where like, I've always, you know, I send people your way of like, okay, like how to do the work. That's her, <laughs> you know, you need some testing. I'll do that. But um, it's so important distinguished, because million, you know, depression is the leading cause of morbidity and disability worldwide suicide, top killer of Americans. Um, and I lost somebody very important to me this year to suicide. Ironically, right after I turned in my slides to lecture about um, so it's so devastating, and, and that's where like we need leaders like you doing doing the work, which then kind of enters into this whole, I hear you have a book coming out that's how to do the work. So I'll, I'll kind of shut up there, but it's so crucial to cause that separation and almost like map out the psychological healing opportunities, physiological, and even though they are, as, as you said, and even the neuroscience with neuroplasticity really... Validates out of it, it goes both ways. And so it is that Mm -hmm. chicken or the egg and that kind of perpetual spinning yin yang.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And I appreciate you sending people my way. I'm going to go as far, though, Brendan, to say that the work you do, as far as I conceptualize it, I believe staging happens, uh, healing happens, staging, healing happens in stages or foundations. It's kind of like the Maslowian pyramid. Um, in terms of needing to build foundations at the base before we can do, we can put actually like an upside down triangle, the deeper work. Um, And I say all of this to acknowledge that as far as I see it, the foundational work of two components, the first foundational always work that people probably hate when I say, I talk about this concept so much, which is consciousness, learning how to be conscious. That is our first step in a direction of change. Because the large majority of the time, upwards of 95% of our day, we're repeating those patterns from our subconscious. So to set ourselves up with the opportunity to create a future that's different, we need to learn how to operate consciously. Right hand in hand with that, in my opinion, is doing that kind of physiological self-assessment. And if you're someone like myself and the many others, innumerable humans who are in a physiologically dysregulated body, I believe at least that that foundation is important to put into place before. And when I used to do client work, this is oftentimes the entry point. I would get people that would contact me hear that I do inner child work or ego work, maybe even know that that's where their wounding is. I want to do that work. And they were met then with my conversation that I'm having with you and everyone now, which is 100%. Let's make sure we have the foundations in place so that we can be really effective when we get there. More often than not, we had to back it up and build those foundations in place. And this is why I say that. And the concept of emotional addiction that I talk about often is a prime example, and I'll use an example from my life. Because my mind and my body are connected, right? they're sending messages back and forth so even if i conceptually want to do the work in my mind to heal the wounding and all the emotional pieces of things if the messages that my mind is constantly getting from my body are messages of dysregulation right i actually i'm gonna really simplify i can't do that work because my so what happens in emotional addiction i'll use an example My body is so used to the physiological experience of stress, complete with all of the, you know, hormones of cortisol and adrenaline. Logically, because I knew I was a stressed person, all you would have logically heard me beg for in life is peace. I just want peace. I want my mind to be free from the racing thoughts, and I just want to have a peaceful moment. Lo and behold, I would find myself in what could be a peaceful moment. Maybe no one's around me. Maybe they are, but they're being quiet and nothing's going on per se. But because my body is so used to the cortisol and it's rushing around, still in my system, not metabolized, my brain's gonna wonder, why, why the stress? Well, there's stress, so let me figure out why. Oh, here's why. And then what can happen? It looks different for each of us, right? I have my racing thoughts, I'm worrying about something or I'm kicking fights in my environment to match my experience. Right, So we kind of come, we we, we have, that's why I use that example to illustrate the importance of that physiological balance. We can set ourselves up not to succeed if my body doesn't start to send my mind different messages. If I don't gradually decrease the flow of that cortisol or gradually teach my body that it's safe to enter my parasympathetic mode of nervous, right? I need to teach my body all of this and allow it to return to that homeostatic balance so that my mind can start to get new signals and then maybe I can dive into the deeper inner child work. So I go as far to say that the work you're doing in the world is foundationally important to then be able to build upon and do the deeper inner child or psychological work um, that so many of us are interested in doing that of course I talk a whole lot about the whole top to bottom, you know, beginning to end holistic psychology framework in, in my new book, How to Do the Work.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, thank you so much. It, it you know, it means the world and, and uh, you know, I'm so in love with my industry and everything. And of course, you know, I, I'm trying to kind of be that next generation of like, cool, this is great. How can we do better? <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, but this is why, like I do, I'm, I'm so in love with our kind of collective space of, holistic, integrative, allied healthcare practitioners, because we all, we, and that's what I love about kind of the functional industry is it is this melting pot of diversity. And, you know, diversity is, is, is life itself. Like life is supposed to be diverse. If there's like one, there's not a lot that we really understand about the microbiome, but like, if there's (laughs) one thing that we do understand, diversity equals better health. And I think, you know, I always like, okay, well, if that's true for this, of micro environment. It's going to be true for the macro environment. It's going to be true for the psychosomatic environment, right? Um, And so this is where everybody bringing the best and even um, like, for example, in kind of like the Lyme mold environmental illness world, which is a huge area of functional medicine, there's actually some really great work being done of like, you know, limbic retraining. And, you know, we have to do the trauma and so I love seeing as all the melting pot of, yeah, kind of the the hard science and more just classic medical mixed with, you know, the esoteric mixed with the psychological, psycho-emotional, but I greatly appreciate your point. And I think that's huge where um, it it's very hard to create and hold the space, you know, to get vulnerable with yourself, to start doing that inner child work or that, Uh, trauma worker or or ego work and all the above, it's hard to do that. Like if your brain's on fire from inflammation or so it does, we we have to marry the two. And so with, you know, how to do the work, um, you know, we'll start getting into your book here because (laughs) I couldn't be more excited that you wrote this book. I've already pre-ordered it. Can't wait to get my hands on it. So I'd love to just you know, kind of open it up, invite you to speak to what this book really means for you, because I've read, and I'd, I'd love to hear everything about how special of a project this is for you.
1: Well, thank you, first and foremost, of course, for your endless support, but of course, with the book as well. Um, if you would have asked me, honestly, Brendan, uh, you know, five years ago, talk of a book probably wouldn't have come out of my mouth. I wasn't something that I, you know, kind of, I wasn't one of those people that historically, like, I'm gonna write a book. It just, wasn't neither here nor there. I didn't refute that I could. It just didn't pass my effort as like something I was going to do. So the fact that I'm here now, you know, it, it's probably been about two, almost two years into the project of, you know, it being proposed and then thinking about it conceptually. From that moment of it being proposed, I, while I was very, you know, shocked and honored, I was so grateful. Because while you hear me go on and on about the power of the internet and the fact that, I mean, to speak to your point, this is, probably why we're becoming an integrated medical for like the macro title system, if you will, is because we are we can facilitate these conversations now. We have practitioners wearing all different practitioner hats that can come to the common ground of the internet and have conversations. However, they're very limited. They're limited by the platform you use, by the way we can communicate information on that platform. And oftentimes or all the time more often than not, it's very incomplete. So for me, I knew that while I saw social media and I always tried to frame it and utilize it as a tool, meaning we can make choices and the tool can be used in all different kinds of ways and contexts into all different outcomes. I knew that it could be used as a tool to connect people and messages, right? And I think that's a large reason why things are becoming more integrated is because we, we are able to connect. Um, with other people and to begin to share our story though again like like i said it's limited so when the book became an opportunity i knew that this was going to be the place where i can really flesh out you know what my theory of holistic healing means um really taking people through from the macro the overview to what this looks like in real time so everything you've heard us talk about right what does it mean to live in consciousness or to live in that autopilot Uh, what's housed back there. I talk all about inner child work and healing and the wounding that many of us experience. And then obviously practical tools to create change. So I would go as far as I I mean, I have a lot of passion projects these days. Again, a decade ago, passion would not have been a word I related to or resonated with. I didn't think I had that chip. I didn't think I was passionate about things because I wasn't quite honestly now I have multiple passion projects, the book being one of them. It's again, like I said, the contained tomb of holistic healing. I think people can live with books differently than online. It can be, I mean, at least I know I love books. I grow with them. I revisit them later. So I'm excited for that aspect of it um, in terms of what the book will offer. And I'm also excited continue to build into the virtual community sphere because that's another aspect of all of this because there's two pieces of healing as far as i see it the work of it right the book how to do the work the tools everything you and i and everyone talks about each and every day how do i create wellness and then there's the support the community so both of which are both really high up there for me in terms of passion i want to make sure that the tools are continued to be spoken about so that people can accessibly Um, utilize them in their day-to-day healing and create change and also I'm really impassioned about continuing to create virtual community not only of exchanging ideas like you and I are doing but of connecting with other humans that are either doing the work of being the practitioner and or doing the work of healing
0: Mm -hmm. beautiful and in which your community too might have chat about that as well and so, with when I, you know, when I saw the cover, I mean, first off, super, super groovy colors. I loved it. <laughs> um, Thank you. And then the title, How to Do the Work. You know, I was curious because when I first heard you're, you're doing a book, I was like, oh man, you know, of course I was all excited about it. Um, and so, when I saw the, the title, You know, How to Do the Work, I was like, oh, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it. I, I didn't know what the title was going to be. Um, but I'd love to almost hear you explain, like, like, what does that title mean to you? I mean, I know we've kind of mapped it out a bit, um, but, you know, who is this book for? Um, what does that mean, how to do the work? And, you know, what can readers expect out of, out of their literary experience?
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking. So the work, you know, there's a long lineage. I'm sure listeners have probably, you know, might've heard of other iterations of the work, Um, we talk about the work in terms of the very much needed work in terms of you know dismantling systematic racism systemic racism there's a lot of work um that i mean as far back as really the ancients go have been referenced what so i say that to say i know that there's very individualized meaning that's really part in the course of the work that i'm putting out there how do we find our own meaning for the work. So my contribution is you know, in a, a long lineage of versions of the work. Um, and again, what it means to me is developing the understanding of the integrated human, the fact that we are physiological, emotional and spiritual beings. Um, and obviously that understanding then lends for the tools of how to change. So this book, as far as I say it is for, anyone who's human, anyone who wants to, wherever you are in your healing journey, um, like I said, this is a book that I'm hoping can live and grow with you, meaning, right, you pick it up at one stage and you, you know, kind of read and it sits one way and maybe you incorporate some tools and you do quote unquote some of the work um, and then you could pick it up later. For me, the work, and just the concept, because I think when we hear work, do the work, let me put it that way, action, right? That's the first thing I think that comes to mind and maybe it may be like a stressful action work. A lot of us assume work is, you know, like a a, a, a toiling endeavor, if you will. Work for me is highlighting the reality that to create change, you have to begin to do small things differently or else we're gonna get the autopilot. The autopilot is gonna run again 95% of the day. So for me, it's kind of breaking down what for a lot of us can be the imagined work of changing our life from top to bottom into much more manageable daily steps. I use the concept of small daily promises. You'll read about that throughout the book. Um, I give some examples of great daily promises to even keep. So this really can get even the most beginner started but it's acknowledging that there will be small choices that we have to participate in every day. And this is a limit I believe of anything that we're doing for a limited amount of time, whether it's the gym that I go to, you know, once a month, every now and again, whether it's a therapist that I own, you know, I, even only if I'm privileged enough to be able to see once a week, what about the rest of my hours and the rest of my moments? That's where my question always goes back to, right? And often the, what's directing my time, my day, my thoughts, my feelings is that autopilot. So the work, again, the concept of working is just acknowledging that we do need to be active participants in making new choices if we want to get something different than our autopilot. And again, we can make them manageable. What most of us do is we overwhelm our system. We try to change too much too quickly. So again, this the work and the book itself will really take us through a foundational approach of how to gradually incorporate these new choices. But for me, again, it's highlighting the necessity, really, of if we want something to happen different, there's going to have to be a different action that's taken at some point.
0: Awesome. Beautiful. You know, I've, I've done a lot of reflecting on this and, you know, it's it's kind of coincides with just, uh, you know, the the neuroplastic model and kind of this, you know, brain busting concept of like, wait, you know, we can rewire our brains and, and all of this. Um in, you know, sometimes I think humans, you know, we can be kind of myopic, but, you know, it's like I have my plant children over here, and I look at them every day, and it's like, they're always growing, you know, sometimes they're growing in this direction, or that direction, sometimes they're kind of withering, sometimes they're kind of flourishing, Um, but, you know, life really is growth continuously, I mean, as long as you're alive, the cells are reproducing, replicating, dividing, uh, new neural formations are forming new, you know, musculoskeletal, um, systems are being strengthened or weakened. So, you know, what, what I love about what you're saying is like, well, first let's establish the awareness, the consciousness, the mindfulness, um, you know, and being able to, uh, observe, uh, observe our, our patterns and behaviors without judgment, without bias, without just in allowing it, observing it. So that way, you know, if there's something that's not serving us anymore, we can start taking the steps because we're, we're not stagnant beings. Life is continuous growth. And so I, I think it's a b- very beautiful um, kind of analogy or thing to, to postulate because it is giving people that that, it's like giving them that permission. Like, it's okay to do things differently. Like, you don't have to be stuck in this same... Um, ret constantly. And you you made the very powerful point of, you know, we so often try to, you know, dramatically overhaul everything overnight. And that's something I found a lot like in the in the functional medicine space. You know, most of these professionals don't really have a coaching background, they have a medical background. Whereas I don't have a medical background, I have a coaching background. And so, you know, coaching psychology 101 is, you know, we're going to be much more successful focusing our efforts and attention on one habit or one daily promise, um, you know, to fulfill that, you know, turn that into a habit, get those new belief systems and neural networks, you know, kind of firing, if you will. Uh, and then to, you know, move on to that next step, that next step that, but I I love how the daily, the daily promises, um, yeah, that sounds way cooler than like, this is your habit homework for the week, right? (laughs)
1: Well, I, I want to normalize just while we're on this topic really quickly. Most of us, why typically do we want to change? You know, some version of I'm uncomfortable to an extreme version of I'm uncomfortable. Life feels intolerable. I can't go on the way it is. Right. So we want to change from discomfort, to put it simply. So I want to honor that compulsion. I have it too. It's very logical. I think this is where we get ourselves in a lot of trouble as humans, and logic our way. It does logically feel like the quickest path to feeling better, right, is those five new things, as opposed to, okay, Brendan and Nicole are sitting here saying one new thing for like what, 30 plus days? Well, shit, it's gonna be like five years from now before I'm quote unquote feeling better. Well, that's not true, because just as much as we incorporate change, we gradually shift, you know, our resting state. We gradually start to feel differently without really even noticing it. That's the byproduct of what happens. However, I just wanna sympathize with everyone out there who's tried to change life from top to bottom and white knuckle it as long as we can, because I've been there too. A lot of times it does come, like I said, from incredible discomfort. And we very really just want, and sometimes we just project it on other people too. We want someone else just to get better, right? Because we can see their pathway to getting better because we don't want, to see them in pain and all of this is very natural um, as you know, empathetic humans that I believe we all are. Um, so I get it though, like I said, it does set us up to become really frustrated and disempowered and unfortunately many of us begin to then believe or entertain a belief of I must be broken. Something must be wrong with me that I cannot change this. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all so much for listening to the Holistic Savage podcast. We on the Holistic Savage team all really appreciate you and want to stay connected with you. So please rate, review, and subscribe to help the podcast grow. And if you like the podcast, help get the word out. And now back to the show. And I don't believe that's true for any of us. Perfectly honest.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, the beautiful thing about, um, just science in general and like objective evidence, you know, the more that rolls out, it it points us back to an innate intuition and wisdom that, that we are just so disconnected with. And in so much, you know, research, like even medical research points back to evolution and evolutionary biology and theories. And, you know, in some ways um, I do think, you know, I'm a little bit biased because I'm young, I suppose, so I don't know what like it was for baby boomers or whatnot, but it does kind of seem like the collective emotional maturity is evolving or it seems like we are kind of going through this uh, evolution of evolving into these, you know, more psycho-aware, developing an emotional maturity that doesn't seem like it existed, as much I don't know I mean I'm just making stuff up right now but I'd be curious how you speak to that it it kind of feels like we're evolving as a species and um because we used to think so black and white so static of uh for example like with neurons like you only have this many neurons there's nothing you can do to change the way that they're firing or whatnot it's like well the brain's actually really dynamic and it's constantly changing and rewiring which is so revolutionary right
1: yes I think evolution comes through many different avenues one of which you're speaking of now like us just gaining more knowledge you know more experience of living in these brains and having these brains studied and the effects of different things etc so there's you know kind of I think that that knowledge um, that shifts and changes and that we get better at doing over time and there's also I think I heard you that they were emotional right there's the human emotional and spiritual evolution as well and what I mean when I say that is these conditioned patterns, how we express emotionally. So one might say how immature, mature or immature for lack of better wording, even though I don't love qualifiers at all, um, we are or aren't is really impacted predominantly by that which was modeled to us, meaning the people who raised us. So I'm answering it this way because generationally, you know, Looking back even in our lineage, our pers- your personal lineage, whoever's listening, you know, those of us who know, you know, kind of generations beyond, you might be able to see, you know, some of this very similar patterning, especially around emotions. And I bring up emotions in particular, because as a species, especially those of us who've lived in places, bringing back Maslow, where, you know, our actual resources for survival were threatened, you know, where there was financial scarcity, food scarcity, where, you know, our physical needs maybe weren't as securely being met. Emotions were not really, not really having time for those. Mm-hmm. I mean, we come from generations, many of us of humans who were living in that flight or fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So when you think about child rearing, even if it's very well intentioned, like I want to be there for my kid emotionally, a lot of us again come from these lineages, these generational patterns where we just simply couldn't, where we were locked in these levels of fight or flight. That didn't make emotional development possible. So to speak to your point, um, and it it takes you know single humans collectively waking up and breaking the patterns as everyone who's listening to you and I talk today are doing for themselves and their future generations to begin to break these patterns. And now, because again, our generation is not new to this. This has been happening. It's becoming more visible and though so at mass, right? More people are utilizing this. So I do think it appears right and in very very many ways, the human species is evolving. And I think some of it is, again, resources that have shifted and changed, patterns that have been broken now through generations, setting up future generations to do differently and impact then their lineage moving Mm. forward. So the simple answer is yes, there's a gradual evolution happening with a lot of different factors and through a lot of different contexts. That I believe are freeing us up energetically to start to um, you know kind of take on some new evolutionary tasks, if you will.
0: <laughs> mm. Give me the chills because that that was really powerful. Um, and yeah, I didn't even necessarily know what I was going for there, but then your answer was like, yeah, that landed um, so powerful because you know, in a sense, and I think it's I think it's helpful. Something I always like to try to remind myself is. You know, I think a lot of times we like to zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. And, you know, there's a lot of reductionism in, in medical practice and whatnot. Just zoom in and it's like, well, block this and then something doesn't happen. But it's like, I think zooming out before we zoom in can be, you know, equally powerful or sometimes more powerful. And I love what you just said, because I, I totally agree with that, where I would definitely say, you know, like, um, for example, 1920s, that was like Great Depression era, right? And there was a lot of scarcity, like times were hard. Um, And so uh, I think what I'm trying to get at, I think we are now in this beautiful phase of human existence that has never happened or existed before, where, like, we have the opportunity uh, to evolve in in a big way and um, we have the opportunity, you know, Zach Bush talks a lot about being co-creators with mother nature, right. That return to symbiosis that I'm talking about and kind of entering, um, you know, maybe a little esoteric, but kind of that fifth dimension of unconditional love where like we, we can enter that, you know, in, in, in some ways it's never been a more perfect time. Cause I think a lot of people feel like 2020 has just been this chaotic year and it feels like the whole world's on fire and parts of it actually are. And, um, But then, you know, I I like to believe that we are kind of on that precipice of that next big awakening, that next big evolution, because we do, we have the luxury in a sense to do the work because we're not in that fight or flight constantly. We, you know, we live in a world of abundance um, mostly. And, you know, at times things are scarce. And so I'm not saying scarcity mindset is, there's a difference between, you know, resources are actually scarce it's time to be afraid, it's time to go into fight or flight mode, versus, you know, that conditioning of scarcity mindset of, no, there's actually abundance all around us, but we're choosing to believe there's scarcity, which causes us that fear, that fight or flight, and then causes us to do all sorts of silly things that are probably not the definition of, you know, unconditional love. So I like to think we, we as a collective have this grand opportunity to, to come together to create a, a world more beautiful than any of us could have ever imagined right mm-hmm.
1: I couldn't agree more and again I'm happy you uh, are offering this because I also want to affirm confirm confirm whatever the word would be here that you know understanding that there are still things happening right that there are fires and and you know and, and very real you know problematic systems in place. Um, though to speak to our point right kind of going within and doing the work of creating the change and the peace in our moments for ourselves can happen anywhere and happens again with the right support you know through all the avenues that we can connect with it and then can can continue to create the change outside um so i'm happy you brought that up because it's not saying one or the other i love the word and um i can frame that word meaning a and d because it's all of it, and I think that's just kind of emblematic of this entire discussion we're having, which is there's no one cause, there's no one piece, there's no one thing that's how do we understand the whole system and 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 making use of and um, acknowledging that there's space for all of it to happen at once I think is important.
0: Absolutely. And so I can't help but ask, because um, I'm curious. I. I saw you did a lot of research for this book and you were you know, digging into a lot of research. And so I, I can't help but be curious, you know, what were some of the um, major things that you were, you know, pulling research on and what were maybe some interesting findings that are going to be things that readers will will learn about in, in your book?
1: A lot of so because I I, I talk about the body um, and the body's role and different levels, different states of dysregulation. You'll read a lot in the book um, around the nervous system and polyvagal theory. And I was very familiar with that. That informed my work um, kind of holistically for some time now, but really breaking that down and framing all of the concepts of healing and all of our stuck points around those different nervous system dysregulation states that we're stuck in, I think is going to be incredibly helpful. Um, Our nervous system is, is, is determines a lot of our daily reactions, oftentimes outside of our awareness. So there are conscious tools and ways that we can learn and help us to, to, um, you know, kind of find that resiliency or that flexibility in our nervous system for those of us that are stuck that I think will be really helpful Um, throughout the book. It's interesting the way the book is presented. Um, I did it has a narrative feel. So you'll read about my own healing journey as well as other self healers, members of the community. We all have a narrative seeking brain. So I think storytelling and kind of understanding how these concepts fit in in terms of actual people's lived experiences is really helpful. Um, there's also, you know, kind of worksheets and how to practically use these tools. So I say that latter piece. Because the way the polyvagal and our nervous system is explored in the book, um, you know, on top of it being scientific and grounded, obviously, in this emerging research that's really impactful for the type of work that you and I are doing, it also breaks it down in a much more practical, understandable um, format. That was a really big intention of all of the books. So, any science that you're going to hear presented in the book it's applied in real life. You know, I kind of like the practical approach. Don't get me wrong. I love to have a scientific conversation. I love me a good journal. I can understand the real science of things. I also know that collectively, a lot of us can get confused and lost and miss the point. And there's been a lot of pivotal works that I've read in my own scientific journey um, that have informed my work that, when you talk about, you know, giving them to the person who wants to read about nervous system work, it doesn't translate um, for the practical, um, I think is what I'm trying to say, so I say all that to say, I made it an effort to talk scientifically to ground, you know, holistic healing in the new emerging data and research that we have, and to do so in a way that allows it to feel approachable. So for the listeners out there who don't, you know, wear the scientific hat or get confused and overwhelmed by it, um, knowing that they can feel like they can approach some of this, what I feel is very foundationally important topics, specifically around the nervous system, and um, in, in a much more applicable way.
0: Oh, man, that's awesome. You know, and I love that because uh, I, I think you know something I've been pondering is how you know, I'm all for the kind of objective, uh, scientific pursuit. But then at times, it's like, well, I, I think we, you know, we can't disconnect from our intuition to just kind of blindly, you know, do Petri dish or whatever. Um, and so yeah, I mean, it's it's about that context of, because it, it, it never ceases to blow my mind how much we know about the body, and yet how little we understand. And what I love about you know seeing the science that's coming out there's so many brilliant researchers doing amazing things and so it's beautiful to see kind of that gap in between like the esoteric the spiritual the psychological and you know the the hard science the just black and white kind of physiology that that gap is getting narrower and narrower as like we're learning more about how all of this works and so then it it breathes a lot of life and validity to things that like classically historically were like oh you know kind of poo-pooed a little bit right even though intuitively it resonates so deeply right so it's yeah beautiful.
1: yeah well it's learning how I mean this is going to sound really silly when I think I say it learn it's like a user manual for the, learning how to use the body it's a difference between okay I read the manual okay the body does this cool note it until I give myself the wisdom of connecting with my body to feel it do that or experience it do that, or, you know, be privy to the signs and signals it's giving you to tell you the messages that might as well just stay in the trash, that manual, right? So it's that translation, that bridge that I think you're, you're offering. And I think that's what is necessary. Otherwise it just remains a manual on your shelf. And we don't actually know how to be embodied. Most of us humans.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so, you know, um, I I know your time is valuable. So as I start steering in a direction of letting you move on with your life, um, I am curious though. So, I mean, the, the book is obviously one huge project, one huge passion project, but then you also have your own community, uh, the inner, the self healers inner Inner circle. Circle. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'd love to hear you speak to that as far as, you know, how does the book and your inner circle? How do they go hand in hand, or differentiate, or you know, for for can um, you know readers and whoever's listening? Um, what would be the advantages of one or the other, or both? How are they integrated?
1: For sure. So the community, like I said, is always. Going to be a passion project of mine. Uh-huh. Always looking to expand ways that we can virtually connect to support. So right now, the Self Healer Circle is really is that um, with our new website upgrade that I'm so excited to launch in the next month. It'll really upgrade our capacities to build the virtual connections, interpersonal connection aspects of it that we weren't able to as successfully do using Facebook and all of the other platforms that were available. So the membership, the Self Healer Circle membership, we really think about it is. It's a library of self-healing. Each month, there's a new topic, um, so many of which you'll see presented in the book. It's an intro to how to begin to use this topic through daily content, PDFs. How do I apply the topic of the month? So. One of the months we were just talking about, talking about embodiment. We were talking about inspired action, how to be in our body when we're actioning. That was our topic. So, all month, um, the members can experiment with utilizing that practical tool. There's also guest workshops, or myself, or experts from all different areas, exposing people from different mindsets, different practitioners, different toolkits exposing to different tools and then obviously the community aspect. So the membership is really for people at any stage of their journey interested in thinking, learning about the concepts of holistic self-healing and connecting with other humans on the journey. The book again is the handbook if you will. Um, Some people just love the visual nature of books. It'll give kind of the whole comprehensive deeper dive into the topics that we do um, daily in the in the membership future projects because I have a lot in mind. I want to unveil in the next couple months a similar membership for practitioners um, where practitioners who whatever hat they wear in terms of whatever practitioner they are can again start to be exposed to some of these more holistic modalities, different types of tools that are out there to upgrade their practices. So that's a passion project. Um, a deeper dive into the topics will come through coursework. So probably, again, within the next year. So when you read the book, if you come to decide, oh, I really want to do a deep dive into inner child work, say. So it'll be very much more specific um, into each topic area. So you can think about it in terms of tiers, right? I want to be generally know about healing, be connected to other people doing it, you know, be abreast of all the new information, whether I'm a practitioner of human, membership is right for you. I think the book is right for anyone who just kind of wants the handbook. And then the courses will allow the deeper dives into the more contextual topical areas of interest. So that's how I formulate how all of these pieces will kind of fit together, hoping to give different learners, different opportunities to learn in the way that works the best for them um, so that they can really incorporate really healing into their lives, whomever you are.
0: I think it it sounds like an amazing and and beautiful structure, and you're sounds like you're going to be busy for a while. Because I was going to ask you, so it's like, okay, you know, you just hit three million on social media. You're launching the book. You've got uh, this robust community that you've built. Like, what's next? You know, what's next for Doctor Lots to come.
1: So much. I'm. I I get so excited. This is exciting for me because it's a, it's a cool experience and it's a shift learning how to work virtually in this new way with these bigger groups of people. How do I teach back to communication, right? Mm -hmm. It's one thing for me to, you know, kind of learn a style with me and you in this communication. Another thing to to speak to very diverse human, right? So, this has just been so learning and I'm excited as I learn new ways of delivering this information to continue to create new projects. So hopefully you'll talk to me a decade from now and I'll still have new exciting news coming down the pipeline to share with you all.
0: Um, I'm, I have a feeling you will. Yeah, it's it's a brave new world and you've got, you know, there's no shortage of work to be done. So, you know, it's it's amazing that we have people like you to teach us how to do the work because it's kind of step one, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And I'm ever inspired by continuing to connect with people like you. I mean, you're just as much a part of my healing journey, whether you're delivering information that I, you know, incorporate into knowledge and knowing and doing or supporting along the way, or just knowing that the other people out there, you know, we feel a little less alone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy in in today's world to feel very disconnected, even though we're all plugged in all the time. So yeah, I'll let you get going as we wrap up here, but where can we get this book? I mean, I already, I ordered a Mm -hmm. mine off Amazon, probably like most people do, but is there any specific place people should go or does it
1: matter? So in terms of yes, the book is on Amazon. It's also on bookshop.org, Barnes and Noble, depending on the country you're located in. Um, There are a lot of international in, you know, book and publishers that will start to become available soon. All of the links that I have access to right now, all of this is, you know, fed to me through the publisher. So if I don't have it yet, it's because it might not be active, though. The majority of the links are through my Instagram account at the.holistic.psychologist. You can come over and meet all the other self-healers and see me day in and day out talking about my own journey and obviously releasing the self-healing tools that we have been talking about. And then in the next couple of weeks, you'll start to see me speaking about the website at yourholisticpsychologist.com. There is a website that exists now. However, it doesn't have all the new bells and whistles. And when the new website launches up on there, so I don't know when this will air, but depending on the timing of it, I have a new version of the future self journal. So my journaling technique to help us create change um, will be up on that website as well as some free meditations, et cetera. So the website is also going to be a hub for some healing tools that people might want to check out. And that's your
0: amazing I can't wait to see that website well wonderful you know I'm really um, I know I've been saying it for over a year now but I'm just going to keep saying it till I manifest it of like that taco date it's going to happen I'm going to bring my coffee so you can sign it uh you know that was supposed to happen in 2020 there were a lot of things that were supposed to happen in 2020 but um really though Nicole I mean I kind of wrap up my side by saying like it's it's such a pleasure and honor to know you I mean you've inspired me so much for a long time and uh, like, I, there's no words for it, you know, it, it's, it's deeper than that. So, you know, sending you all the love in the world, I, I don't know, I couldn't be more inspired or or blown away by everything you're doing for me for 3 million other people. Um, and I truly hope that like, at the end of the day, like you feel just this intense burning sensation of pride, because you should. So um, that's kind of my concluding remarks and I'm just so thankful that you took the time to hang out with me again. It's, it's always such a pleasure.
1: Thank you for saying that. I actually got some, some sort of feeling up in there <laughs> in, in the chest of mine when you said that, Brendan, and I, I just want to reflect all of that back I and you're, I consider you a friend. It's been an honor to continue to get to know you as we are personally, professionally and all of the things and I just think so highly of you. I mean, I can quite literally say you've helped me heal in my body decades of imbalance um, in a way and understanding and helped me understand my body a bit more than I already did. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's my pleasure. It means the world. And I look forward to seeing as we continue uh, to do our, our work individually and how that grows and integrates and, you know, how big of an impact, you know, we can have and how many people um, we can see heels. So I'm going to keep at it. I know you're going to, and uh, until our paths cross, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. And I I can't wait for this episode to release. I can't wait to get your book.
1: (laughs) Same, same. Thank you too. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and everyone listening as well. Thank you for, as always, sharing your time and energy.
0: Oh, absolutely. All right, my friend, I'll let you go. Enjoy your day. And I'm sure we'll talk soon, my friend.
1: Bye
0: Bye, Nicole.